You know, this message this morning um, is really, there's so much in here. And I'm just going to touch on a, little, a, few, of, a few things that um, I think God has laid on our heart. Um, but if, what I'd like you to do is open your Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in front of you in the, in the chair in front of you. And if you don't have a Bible, that you can, you're welcome to take that Bible home with you um, as a gift from Grace Church. I'm not even sure I really even need to say anything after, after the way Ezra read and uh, what Paul had shared earlier. Just tremendous message in this, in this passage. Anyway, I'm going to be talking about an event that took place, and this event is in John chapter 9, and it's of Jesus healing a blind guy. And you, what you'll notice is he doesn't just heal this blind guy, you see, if, if I was God walking around this planet and I wanted to heal somebody, I'd just go, I'd just snap my fingers and away it would go. That person would be healed. But there'd be, there's so much more in this text about this. And I want you to listen for three key players as I speak. One is the hurting, the second are the skeptics, and the third are the followers. There's many other aspects to this passage, but I want you to specifically listen for the hurting, the skeptics, and the followers. You see, this starts in John chapter 9, and it says this, as he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. And what you need to know about this guy who is blind from birth, they don't, people who are blind only do one thing. They were beggars. They found their place where they would beg, and they were beggars. So Jesus is walking along this road and he sees this guy who's been blind from birth and the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So picture this for a second. Here Jesus is walking through this town and the Bible says that everywhere that Jesus went, there was a crowd. There are people lined up and Jesus evidently stops and sees this blind beggar and he stops the whole parade, this processional. He looks at the blind guy, and the Bible doesn't say this, but I imagine that Jesus looked at this blind guy with a sense of interest, a sense of compassion, probably because he was born blind. And the disciples asked him, was he born blind because of his sin or his parents' sin? You see, during that time, there was a tradition, a teaching that went like this in the Jewish culture. If you had any type of deformity, if you had a short arm, a limp in your walk, or something was messed up like blindness, whatever it was, it was punishment for your sins or your parents' sins. And a lot of times during that time, they'd even go back to somebody who was pregnant and they didn't know that, I mean, they knew that she had lived a bad life and they'd say, your kid is going to come and something is going to be wrong with them. That is what the Jewish belief was. So they're saying, Jesus, is it mom's sin or the guy's sin? Verse 3, it says, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus answered, this came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. 
As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That really is a key phrase when he says, I am the light of the world. But basically what Jesus is doing when he answered their question is saying, I'm not going to be caught up in this dumb question of whether it's his sin or his parents' sin. It's neither. This guy was born blind so that the power of God could be shown forth. So basically what's happening here is Jesus is setting the stage to show an incredible miracle. And we're going to see that here in just a minute. So imagine for a second what a blind guy must have been going through this moment. To be blind. Darkness is all this guy ever knew. Darkness and begging. He can't even conceive what blue looks like. Or red. Or orange. Or green. A million images that we take for granted every day. This guy's never seen. Sometimes on the way to work, I look at the mountains. It's early in the morning. The sun is shining on the mountains and the snow this time of year. It's just incredible. This blind guy has seen nothing like that. Even when he was a little child, his mom held him in her arms. He didn't know what she looked like. Can you imagine that? This guy was already was always dependent on a friendly arm to take him places. Or maybe on an unstable cane. And Jesus is about to heal him. This life that you and I can't even conceive of is about to be healed. Verse 6 says this, After he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. And to be honest with you, when I was preparing this message, the youth pastor came out in me. I wanted to have some water in my mouth and spit it. Or, ha- or give you guys some mud on the way in. So you began to get a feel for what it was like. So I kind of think this part's really funny, but all of the ways that Jesus could heal this guy, this is how he chooses to do it. He's talking to this guy, and, he, and then he spits on the ground. And he takes the saliva and makes some mud, a mud pie out of it. Now, that's my, my loose translation. It doesn't say mud pie in the Bible, but um, he makes a mud pie and puts it on his eyes. I was talking to some people this week, and again, this is the youth pastor in me. I was talking to some people about this, and they said it, it couldn't have been just a little bit of spit. <laughs> you guys can go wherever you want with that one. <laughs> um, but I want you to think about what it is like for this blind guy. This blind guy's sitting there, and Jesus spits next to him. I wonder where that went. If you grew up blind, then, and when Jesus makes this mud contraption, the followers of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, I wonder what the disciples were thinking. Were they laughing? Saying, what is Jesus doing this time? Then it says in verse 7, after he put the mud pack on his eyes, he says, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. I think that's kind of a nice thing to tell the guy, right? Go wash. 
But I wonder what this blind guy was feeling at this time. As he's walking on the road to this pool of Siloam, everybody knew this guy was blind. Now Jesus spits and takes a little time to make this mud pack and put it on his eyes and says, go wash. Maybe he was thinking that he was creating a scene because there was a lot of people around. Maybe on his way, he was thinking, what if this is true? What if there's a possibility that I could receive my sight? Then he gets to the pool and he begins to wash. Again, I want you to picture what it might be for this blind guy. He begins to wash and he's taking the crud out of his eyes. And he begins to experience some things that he's never experienced before. He could see light. All of a sudden, he begins to see a reflection of a person he had never seen in his entire life. He looks up into the sky, maybe, and sees sees the blue sky. And other people have talked about the sky is blue. And he looks at it and says, that's what blue looks like. He sees a tree and goes, that's green. And now he's beginning to see all these colors and these shapes and these these people and these images. Then the Bible says in verse 8, it says, His neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit begging? Some said, He's the one. Others were saying, No, but he looks like him. He kept saying, I'm the one. Can you imagine that? This guy just gets his eyesight, and now he's having to defend himself. It's me. I realize I've been tripping over you for all of these years, but this is me. I can see. I'm that same man. Verse 10 says, So they asked him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. Where is he? They asked. I don't know, he said. See, I find it interesting as I read this that Jesus heals him and he doesn't go search for Jesus. He doesn't go back and find Jesus. He goes back to be with his friends and family. That a changed life doesn't take time to go and thank the changer. Instead, he brings attention to his own new life. Then it says in verse 13, they brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. A lot of people know what a Pharisee is. I'm going to just talk about it for a second. You see, a Pharisee, these are the main skeptics of what is going on here. And a Pharisee is a fancy name for religious ruler. A Pharisee is someone who focused on the small picture of God instead of the big picture of God. For example, if there were Pharisee leaders here today, they wouldn't let some of us even come into the room. I see how you're dressed. There's no way you're going to go in. I've seen what you've done out in public this week. You have a reputation out there. There's no way I'm going to let you in. That's what a Pharisee would be like. A Pharisee is someone who'd like to keep human laws and not necessarily God's laws. You see, they knew God's laws, but they were much more interested in keeping human laws. 
They were kind of like the religious policemen of, of the day. So they took the man to the Pharisees. In verse 14 it says, The day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. So a Sabbath. What is a Sabbath? Or how, maybe more important, how did Jesus work on the Sabbath? Well, when he spit on the ground and made the mud pie, that was considered work. What I find fascinating is the only time that you could actually work on the Sabbath was to save somebody's life, not to heal someone. So now these religious leaders, they don't even care that the blind guy was healed. They're ticked off because Jesus worked on the Sabbath. Verse 15, Then the Pharisees asked him again how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, he told them. I wash and I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was a division among them. To be honest with you, it's a lot like today, isn't it? If I was to go down downtown Salida and talk about who is Jesus, there would be division. Some people would say he's just a religious leader, a teacher. I've heard about Muhammad and I've heard about Buddha. He seemed, they seem like just another religious leader. A nice guy, but Jesus is not just a normal, another normal teacher. And that's my hope today as I, as I speak, that you'll pay attention to who Jesus is. And maybe some of you don't know who Jesus is. Some of you might think you know, and this might be a great opportunity to understand more about who, Je- who Jesus is. The Bible says in verse 17, Again they asked the blind man, What do you say about him? Since he opened your eyes, he's a prophet, he said. You see, the Bible doesn't tell us that the Pharisees, these religious leaders, were actually excited about this guy who was healed. All they're after is trying to get at Jesus. The religious leaders didn't like Jesus because he taught differently. He taught more about God's love He taught more about a relationship with God than keeping the rules. So how could this guy be so special if if this Jesus guy actually made mud on the Sabbath? So again, they're not really interested in getting after the truth. They wanted to hear the guy's words and basically get rid of him. Then it says in verse 18, The Jews did not believe this about him, that he was blind and received sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had received his sight. So here's this guy who's been healed, telling his story, and they go, No, we don't believe you, because that would mean that Jesus is something special. We don't believe you, because that would mean that Jesus is God. So let's go get your parents. I kind of think that's funny. A little bit. Let's go get you. I don't believe you, but let's go get your parents. So they called in the parents. In verse 19, it says, They asked them, Is this your son, the one who's, who you say was born blind? How then, now, how then does he now see? We know this is our son and that he was born blind, his parents answered. But we don't know how he now sees and we don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. 
He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews. Since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him as the Messiah, he would be banned from the synagogue. This is why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. The synagogue. During this time, the synagogue was the Jewish hangout. If you were a part of the Jewish synagogue, you were in. You could have your needs met. You were entertained in the synagogue. You were in. But if you were expelled from the synagogue, you were nothing. And these parents, they didn't want to suffer this isolation, so they said, you better ask him yourself. Kind of passing the buck there. Verse 24 says, So the second time they summoned the man who had been blind and told him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. You see, these folks are the skeptics. As a skeptic, though, they've already made up their mind. In my opinion, it's okay to be a skeptic. You can ask questions. In fact, I encourage you to ask questions. A skeptic goes after answers, but here are the skeptics saying, we know that Jesus is a sinner. Verse 25, he answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. I love this part. I was blind and now I can see. He, this guy didn't know the answer to their question. He didn't know who Jesus was. All he said was this, I was blind, but now I can see. What is really happening here? Is he told his story. He told his story. I don't know about you, but when I was a young Christian, I was afraid to talk about God. I was afraid to talk about the Bible because I was afraid somebody may ask me a question that I could not answer. But I love this example because they tell, he told his story. Verse 26, then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? <laughs> Catch this. I already told you, he said, and you didn't listen. Sounds like my mom. I, told, I already told you, he said, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? <laughs> kind of a smart aleck response, huh? I love that part. Basically saying, I already told you once, Here's the former blind guy's getting a little more confidence, isn't he? <laughs> and what he's noticing is that these other people are confused. He's saying, I used to be blind a few hours ago, and now I can see. And you want to know who healed me. You skeptics, you guys are the ones who are blind. I'm not blind anymore. Why do you keep asking these questions? Do you want to become a follower of Jesus too? I love that. Verse 28, it says, They ridiculed him. You're that man's disciple, but we're Moses' disciples. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. This is an amazing thing, the man told them. You don't know where he is from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. 
If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. Can you imagine on his way out, giving that parting lecture, these religious leaders in their robes and their fancy hats, whatever they were wearing, they went after this guy. This is what they said. You were born entirely in sin, they replied. And are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. You see, what I find fascinating about a blind person is they know their condition. A blind man, what, is they, what do they know? They know that they're blind, right? But a blind person knows his or her condition. So here's kind of a summary. Jesus brings healing to the hurting, right? Second is Jesus has, has answers for the skeptics. And three, Jesus proves his power to his followers. So what, right? What does this have to do with you? What does this have to do with me? What difference does this story make to us? Well, let me ask you this. Would you identify with one of these three? Does one of these three define you? Are you hurting? Are you a skeptic? Or are you one of his followers? You may say, I might, not, I might not be blind, but I'm hurting and need some healing. Or you may say that you're a skeptic. I'm interested, but I don't get it. I don't get this God thing. I don't get this Jesus thing. I don't get the church thing. I've got questions. Maybe you're a skeptic. Or maybe you're here today and you're a follower. You're here, in fact, to be honest with you, if you're here this early... You're probably a follower, right? But maybe you came because you want to go to church. You like coming to church. It's a time where you get your spiritual tank filled, right? So let's think about those three for a minute. Hurting, what does it mean to hurt? I've talked to several people late recently who have gone through more hurt than I have in my 63 years of being on this planet. Some of you here, I understand, you cover it well, you hide it well, you live in a nice house, you have nice cars. But I know some of you in here, and some of you are hurting. It might be a relational hurt. It might be parent-family strife in your house. There might be addictions that you're dealing with in your family. You might have made bad decisions. Whatever it is, what I want you to hear this morning is just like Jesus stopped that processional, just like he stopped the crowd and he looked at the blind guy. He looked at the blind guy. I want you to feel, I want you to sense that you may be hiding your hurt, but that Jesus sees you. Jesus knows. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to live like that. I don't want you to be hurting anymore. I've got a way that you can find some healing in your life. And the action for you is to respond in faith. You see, what did the blind guy do? He responded in faith. The blind guy could have said, when, when Jesus spit on the ground next to him, the blind guy could have said, you're just crazy, Jesus. But what did the blind guy do? He got up 
and went to the pool. If you're hurting, there's difference between Jesus and every other religious leader you've ever heard of. It's what we are going to celebrate in a couple weeks from now, Easter. When Jesus proved that he was who he said he was when he rose from the dead. And in my opinion, that's one of the most important questions you need to investigate. Is that Jesus rose from the dead. Why? Basically, it's going to affect your everyday life. It's also going to affect your eternity. Respond to Jesus in faith. He made his way to the pool of Siloam. He took steps forward. Even though he didn't know for sure he was going to get his sight back, he was obedient to what Jesus asked him to do. As a church, I hope that we can help you to do that too as well. So respond to Jesus in faith. The second person is the skeptic. Maybe this is you. In your heart, you might be a skeptic. You've got questions. You don't get it. There's stuff that's hard for you to buy into. You just wonder. What I want you to, what I want you to hear today is that it's okay to be a skeptic. There's basically two kinds of skeptic. There's a skeptic who thinks they know it all. They've got it all figured out. And then there's the other skeptic, type of skeptic who asks questions. I'm going to keep coming because I have questions. Questions like maybe, is Jesus really God? Did he really rise from the dead? All those witnesses and all that, did they really see that? Or were they mistaken? Could his body have been stolen? I've heard all of those. Will following Jesus really make a difference in my life? You see, ask questions about Jesus. If you're a skeptic, let me challenge you this, that there's no question that you could ask today that hasn't been asked already in over 2,000 years of Christianity. I may not know the answer to it, but ask those questions. You see, I don't believe truth will hide itself, so ask the questions. Finally, the follower. If you're a follower, you watch for changed lives. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple of Jesus, watch for changed lives. Don't be like the Pharisees who saw this blind guy healed and they didn't care about him. It didn't impact them. You see, when you hear about a friend who comes to know Jesus, you should be the one that throws a party for them. Celebrate. You may hear of a friend who normally just comes to church on Sunday, but they get involved in a Bible study or a small group. Or a small group. Celebrate with them. Cheer them on. Why? Because they're moving one step closer to Jesus. One of the things I really like about this church is when we have a baptism, the crowd cheers when they come out. Why? Because there's a changed life. Why should we celebrate? Why should we cheer? It's because it proves the power of God in a changed life. One more thing for those of you who are followers of Jesus is share your changed life. Look for opportunities to share your changed life. You see, one thing I've learned over all these years is I've learned that everybody has a story and the truth is they want to be listened to before they want to be preached at. 
If I take the time to listen to your story and care about you as a friend, chances are there's going to be some intersection between my story, your story, and God's story. And to me, that's what evangelism is about. So you've got to change life, and that's your story. Remember in the, in the passage it says, I don't know whether he's a sinner, I know this, I was blind and now I see. You see, I believe the blind beggar is a great example of a changed life. Why? Number one, he acknowledged his blind condition and need. Two, is then he did not argue with Jesus. He did not argue with Jesus' plan to change his life. And number three, he submitted himself to Jesus through obedience. In other words, he followed Jesus' plan. And then he experienced the miracle of a changed life. So what the, how do we start this? Is we acknowledge where our condition. We acknowledge and basically are true to ourselves and say, this is where I'm really at. I'm hurting. I'm a skeptic. I'm a follower. But acknowledge your need. In verse 35, I'll finish with this. In verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out. And when he found him, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? He asked. Jesus answered, You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, this is his response, this is a powerful response. It says, I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshiped him. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshiped him. Worshiped him if you'll come up at this time. In fact, I'm not, yeah. Guys, I don't know where you see yourself, but I pray that you would search your heart in fact, I, my encouragement would be is for you to come back in, into, this, uh, into this passage of Scripture and to begin to chew on it, read it over and over. And I don't see Paul and Jill, and I'm in trouble because I don't play the guitar. <laughs> but I tell you what, it's okay. We'll, we'll spend a minute praying. Either I spoke really fast. Anyway, here we go. I'm going to pray, okay? Let's pray. God, we want to worship you. We want to worship you with our lives. And I know that there are some people here today who are hurting so badly they don't know how to worship you because all they're thinking about is their pain. I pray, Lord, that you would meet them like you met this blind beggar and heal them of their hurt. And God, there are some people here who are skeptics who've got so many questions. They're just not sure what to do with those questions. Father, I pray that you would, in a way that only you can, provide them with answers through other people, through your word, through their study, through their investigation. God, I know there are followers here today who know you and have a relationship with you. God, I pray that you would help them to look at changed lives, to see your power for them and not to focus on their problems, but to see how you could take their problem and reveal your power. 
God, that we might be different as we walk out of here today. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.